Hey everybody, welcome back again to Rise Above the Standards. My name is Cleo and I'm your host of this podcast. In this podcast, we'll have episodes where we'll discuss challenges, things that are going on across the nation in education and also providing tools to help um, anybody in education help them be more successful in reshifting the focus to academic achievement to help students rise above the standards. Today's episode is a continuation of the mini-series episodes from last time. Last time, I went ahead and shared with you some tips and tricks on how to um, how to apply the backwards lesson design process. So some of you might have to like create your own lessons from scratch. You might not have a curriculum and you feel like you're having to design your own curriculum in addition and you just have the standards um, when you're designing um, your educational tools for students in your classroom. So on paper, everything might look perfect, right? But the real like the real world is that we are going to have challenges in the classroom. So today I'm going to go into a little bit of the science um, with some of the challenges that you might face as an educator and some tips that can help you experience success both for you and for your students. So the role of a teacher in a classroom requires planning ahead many aspects for daily instructions Um, Students, they are not all the same. Students in our classrooms have diverse backgrounds and abilities. Students' abilities can vary from content area to content area. You might have some students who have more strengths in math, or they might have more strengths in reading or writing or in the arts. Um, So that, of course, is going to vary. And like students' also abilities with behavior can vary as well. Um, So like when you're going to start your lesson planning, teachers should consider challenges such as student motivation, student achievement, and individual learning styles. And you want to address these challenges when you're lesson planning for the classroom. So I'll be addressing how these challenges can present themselves in the content area of math, um, for example, and Mostly I taught um, fourth grade, so I'm going to go ahead and share with you an example of what it might look like in a fourth grade classroom. Student motivation can also vary greatly in a classroom, especially in the area of math. Cognitively, students are developing like the psychosocial trait of industry versus inferiority. So some students may have great motivation to produce in the area of, in the content area of mathematics, where other students, like in a fourth grade classroom, um, they may have had a bad experience, whether it was like in kindergarten, first or second or third grade, and it might have led them to like shut down and not want to participate or produce in the content area of mathematics. Um, If you're applying for another subject, you might want to look also like if a student, like what kind of success they've experienced with the subject when you're lesson planning. Um, so if they feel that they have struggled, that whole like inferiority, what that means is they're going to feel like 
I can't do this. I don't know how to do it. This is challenging. If I, why am I even going to try? And so the opposite of that would be more of the industry, um, psycho social trait and that's when they've experienced success and they're like I can do this I'm just gonna do what the teacher's saying and I'll have great results so as an educator we have to be able to like also scaffold for the students emotionally um to meet them where they are at cognitively So if a student has had that experience where they haven't experienced much success in a content area, um, they may express the lack of motivation in some different ways. And some ways that students, and they you might only see this behavior in certain subjects, but some ways that they might express this lack of motivation could be talking in class or trying to distract other students or maybe just like avoiding the work completely while remaining silent. So they're not really distracting others, but they shut down and not try to um, do any of the work. So another thing like they could be practicing avoidance is um, student might ask to leave the classroom. They might ask to go to the bathroom or drink waters and that can be um, one of the many of different kinds of forms of expression of avoidance. So according to Erickson's psychosocial development theory, if children at this stage are encouraged to make and do things well, and we also help them to persevere, allowing them to finish tasks and praise for trying, then they're going to slowly shift their mindset to the industry results. And that's what we have to do as educators. So I'm going to go ahead and repeat those things again. Um, Is that at this stage, especially like third and fourth grade, it's really critical that um, we encourage the students to make and do things well and help them to persevere. So we do like, you know, tell them not to give up, to keep trying. It's okay to fail. And we're going to try again. And give them time to finish tasks. Like I I really noticed that um, in third grade is that um, they want that time. Like a lot of students want to like please the teacher and they want to like, you know, collaborate with their classmates. But we have to plan to allow that time to finish the task. So you may not finish your um, entire lesson, but it is important that you're not cutting students off short and we're giving them that time to finish. Also pra- praising them just for trying. Uh, one thing that I love to use is I love to use like tickets as like an intrinsic um, reward as part of like a super improvers wall in my classroom. And if a student is just like on task and trying, I love to praise them. Um, and that also, like, if a peer who is not trying to persevere as much, they can get encouraged when they see that um, somebody is being praised just for trying and attempting something. Like, they don't have to get 100. And I like to um, tell my students that this is hard now and you don't know, you might not know this yet. And the more that we do it, the stronger that our brain is going to get. And the more that we do it, the easier it will get. Just like when they started walking, you know, I like to share that story, you know, like right now walking is really easy for, for us. But when we were a baby, walking was hard. And so math might feel like hard for you, but the more that you do it, the easier it's going to get for you. 
Um, so definitely praise, praise, praise students just for trying and not focusing so much on the like 100% because we're trying to build that confidence um, at this age and they'll get there the more that we continue to support them. So um, another thing you can do to address the challenge of student motivation is by active monitoring, encouragement, and giving constructive feedback. Um, so again, the three things are active monitoring, encouragement, and constructive feedback. Um, active monitoring is definitely you walking around, being engaged with your students, and not just sitting at your desk or sitting, you know, at your document camera. You want to be actively monitoring. And as you are doing that, the two things that you can do as an educator is provide encouragement to students, which is going to help them to persevere and also pro provide constructive feedback. If you see a student, you know, is doing something a little bit different or you might see that they, their answer, their work is getting off, um, off the course of what an, an answer like in math would be. Try to give that constructive feedback and ask like, how did they get that? And wow, that's really great thinking. But do you think like maybe we could try this strategy and give some different kinds of example? Um, and that monitoring, encouragement, and constructive feedback in the classroom should be in all kinds of classroom activities. So whether you are there's, your students are working on independent work, partner work, or group instructional activities, um, they're working, I'm working. So how, if they're engaged, I'm engaged. And it's that continual back and forth of constructive um, feedback to them as they're doing any of these activities. So when you start planning your lesson using that backwards lesson design process, um, one of the things I like to do is to start a lesson with a simple question and that will activate prior knowledge. So the question should be something that's attainable for most students in a given um, time frame in an academic school year. And so by asking a question that students feel comfortable answering, a student's motivation to actively participate and stay in class is higher. So again, that more accessible question to activate the prior knowledge is going to do two things. It's going to help students be motivated to actively participate and also to stay in class and you won't get as much of um, that avoidance. And when opening concept lessons, it's really important to assess what students already know about a concept and find out if students have any misconceptions about the concept. So if you're using that backwards lesson design process and you're doing a pre-assessment, um, that's going to help you clearly see what misconceptions as, um, your class has, has a, as a whole about a concept that you are starting to teach. Um, and so another like challenges, since that's the main topic that we're having, uh, other forms of possible challenges in the content of math. Um is the area of student achievement. Students' academic abilities can vary greatly in mathematics um, in the classroom in elementary school. Like, it's really amazing by the time they're in third or fourth grade, we do have that like academic achievement gap. And so the abilities and strengths of your students can vary greatly 
Um, some students may have not had the opportunity to develop a strong number sense foundation in kinder for second grade. And also, um, given the year that we're in, um, students like in third and fourth grade, like their kindergarten through second grade experience was impacted with the pandemic. So they may have not had as much time in school um, to develop that strong number sense foundation. Um, some students in your class, like challenges to think about is learning disabilities in the area of mathematics or even like learning disabilities in the area of reading. It can play a role when students um, have word problems in the content area of mathematics. So one of the things I love to use is uh, manipulatives and modeling when I'm doing uh, math instruction. And those greatly help with the challenge of student achievement. Um, since students are at that concrete operational stage. And so what, what that means, I'm going to quote someone um, named Snowman, um, is concrete operational stage children. So this is students who are in grades three through six, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade is that concrete operational stage. Um, they can be given opportunities to master such mental processes like ordering, classifying, reversing, multiplying, dividing, subtracting, and adding by manipulating concrete objects or symbols. And so the use of models and manipulatives um, in the form of direct instruction um, is really helpful. Having that direct explicit instruction with how to use the manipulatives or models in math. And that really helps um, like I said, with the challenges, if students might have like a um, extra challenges in math using those manipulatives and models, but it's not just like, hey, here's some manipulatives, solve the problem, or hey, draw a model. Like, you know, we have to actively use that explicit direct instruction and model it for them many times, you know three, five times, it not some students might get it the first time, but the expectation should not be there that every student is going to get it the first time. Because when you think about yourself as an adult, um, there are skills that we're learning and it takes us multiple times to learn something. Um, so teaching concepts using the structured discovery model can provide an approach that is more interesting or motivating to students. And that provides practice in inductive thinking skills. And this model is useful in helping students refine their understanding of familiar concepts. In addition to the use of modeling and manipulatives in mathematics, one of the things that I love to do is small group instruction. And um, your small groups are going to be differentiated for student achievement levels and that's beneficial to address possible challenges with student achievement. Now, when you're doing your small groups, um, some students who are low in academic achievement in math, and they're also struggling with that psychosocial trait development of industry. So they may have not developed the psychosocial trait of also of trust at an earlier stage of life because they're struggling to trust 
um, themselves with being able to experience success through, you know, through failure and then getting, having that success in class. Um, But when you're doing that small group instruction, this would not only meet the student academically at their abilities in math, but with time, it's also going to help the student develop the trait of trusting others. If a student is more trusting of a teacher, they're more more likely to experience meaningful learning. And that's what we want for all students. We want every student to experience that meaningful learning and to make those connections that are a lifetime. Um, so the use of small group instruction um, is, again, it's going to be based on the student's ability to master the state's objective for the lesson. And individual learning styles can also vary in your classroom. Some students can favor auditory learning, while other students may favor that kinesthetic learning, hands-on learning, or visual learning. Um, Currently, a lot of students, um, you know, in third or fourth grade, since we had a lot of like not sharing classroom supplies or not even having those manipulatives out because during the pandemic, like we were scared to like, you know, transfer germs. And so everything was a lot of like paper and pencil from what I saw and what I heard um, from other like colleagues of mine in different states. Um, So that's kind of been a challenge the last couple of years, but we're working towards now getting students back to um, where they should be. And it's a process. Um, And just know that if you're struggling with that in your classroom, you are not alone. So it's always so important like for yourself to to reach out to whether it's other teachers who teach the same grade at your school or if you have neighboring schools, reach out to some friends and, you know, social media, too. It's like so such a like plethora of things for us to be able to research and connect with other educators to find um, what they're doing to help close that gap right now. Um, But the use of small group instructions gonna help the students academically, but also socially, emotionally, to help get them um, where we would like for them to be. Um, And so with those learning styles uh, variety, you're going to have that for your whole group instruction, but also for your um, small group instruction. So, whether or not a student has an IEP, every student has a learning style that they prefer or a combination of learning styles. Us as adults too, we have our own learning styles that we prefer to use. And um, you wanna make sure that you're intentional to use a variety of different ones. Um, There are some things you can use out there like a learning style inventory you can do in the beginning of the year to see like where your students lie with that. Um, and so it's important for you to use that variety of instructional activities that meet the needs of different learning styles in your lesson plans. Using a variety of instructional strategies in your lesson plan is going to help you plan for those unpredicted challenges that may occur with behavior in the classroom. So when you're lesson planning, like you're just not planning what you're teaching, but it's just being very intentional about the instructional strategies 
that you are including in your curriculum design. So some of the things I like to use just to recap is using that teacher modeling, explicit modeling of how to, how to use um, your manipulatives or your models. If you're doing that in math, you can model in writing, just very explicit instruction on modeling any strategies that students will be using in independent partner or group learning. Um, you want to have that supported partner discussion and giving that continual constructive feedback to students as you are walking around actively monitoring students. And we also want to make sure that we are providing students opportunities to make connections between prior and new knowledge. And so that you're using the opening engagement that's at a level that's accessible to many learners. And of course, we want students to be able to apply to do that application of new knowledge acquired. And I also like to have students work in collaborative partner and table learning groups. They can use pictures, different kinds of models. Also, we want to make sure that we are helping them build that self-confidence and trust in them in their selves and their abilities by giving that time and make sure that you are allowing for enough time um, for students to practice independent. That part is also critical. These are all just lots of puzzle pieces that we have as educators have to consider as we're planning for instructional strategies in our curriculum and lesson design. Um, I love to use centers also because when we are doing those teacher-led small group and having that small group instruction, your other students need to be actively engaged in different forms of learning. So um, centers are a great way to do that. And in future episodes, I would love to go ahead and do um, mini episodes on math centers or on reading centers and writing centers that you can use in your classroom. Um, I hope that you found today very helpful and resourceful. If you would like to reach out with any questions or challenges that you're having um, and want some extra support, I'd love to um, help provide some feedback. So you can reach out to me um, through Instagram. My Instagram handle is rise above the standards and if you want to reach out through email, it's riseabovestandards at gmail.com. Uh, once again, my name is Cleo, and don't be afraid of those challenges that you may face as you are designing your curriculum. But remember, whatever you do, remember to help students rise above the standards. Thanks so much.